Today's episode of Peers to Peers is powered by Shopify, the leading global commerce company that's shaping today's entrepreneurial economy. What started as three mates in a coffee shop trying to sell a snowboard has ended in thousands of employees around the world, bringing over 1.7 million businesses to life. You could say Shopify is a peer to us and entrepreneurs around the world. So peers, if you're looking to start your own business, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Peers speaking, peers listening. This is a conversation for you. I'm your host, Michelle Akidinol, founder of Leading Australian Podcast Agency and 2021 Australian Podcast Awards finalists, The Peers Project, and your fellow passionate peer. Each week, I invite an inspiring millennial entrepreneur from around the globe to chat with me. No filters, just real talk, peer to peer. Together, we unpack what it takes to go your own way, pursue your passion, and why there's really nothing better. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy our podcast, please do pass it on. The more peers, the merrier. Hello, peers, and welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Have you ever been told no, peers? How about no one will buy that or that's already been invented? How did you feel? Discouraged? Disheartened? Or did it make you even more sure of your path? Today's guest was told exactly that by a group of professors when she presented her idea of making transportation more sustainable. And rather than listening to what they said, Redding kept going and co-founded For Transit. She followed her intuition and now it's paying off. In today's episode, Radin shares why you need to follow your intuition, how to be intentional with who you do business with, and finding the balance in being a dual citizen. For those of you who haven't yet posted about our podcast on your socials, or if you're new here, firstly, welcome. And please do take a screenshot of this episode right now, post it to your Instagram story, and tag us at The Peers Project so that other peers out there can benefit from the wisdom of these incredible millennial entrepreneurs and help us in our mission to empower you all to pursue what you're most passionate about through entrepreneurship. Okay, peers, without further ado, welcome Redin. Redin, welcome to the Peers to Peers podcast. We're so excited to have you on the show today. Hi, Michelle. It's so good to be here and what a privilege. Thank you for having me. Of course. You know, you and I recently connected and when I looked into you and all of the amazing work you're doing in tech and transportation, I knew I had to have you come on the show. So I really appreciate you taking the time. 
Thank you, Michelle. And I was so excited to be here. I looked you up as well, and I noticed all of the amazing movement you're making, the shaking, and the accolades you're receiving for all of your deserved work. So it is, you know, my honor to be here and to share my story with you. Oh, so, so great to have you. So lovely. So look, for those of us who don't know who you are and what you do, tell us a little bit about yourself. Sure. So the most recent things that I have been up to is I was a smart city and autonomous vehicle consultant for a number of years. And when the pandemic hit, I noticed, as well as my co-founder, how great the air quality had become. And this is just one tiny, you know, silver lining from the pandemic is our kind of awakening to the potential for us to honor what the environment can be in its natural state without all of the human interferences, especially with transportation and how much transportation contributes to air pollution and smog and of the sorts. So taking that into consideration and knowing that the space that I come from a lot of those environmental benefits wouldn't be realized because technology can't be scaled as rapidly as we thought it would be for decades to come. So we wanted to ask and to pursue the question of how do we get those environmental benefits of tomorrow for the vehicles of tomorrow, for the vehicles of today, and for the communities of today? And so we're deliberating, deliberating. We noticed that trucks are a large portion of this transportation problem in question. And we noticed that the fairings on trucks hadn't been really rethought or redesigned for a very, very long time. And so we started to, you know, change the configurations and to, you know, ask a lot of questions around it. And I'm excited to share that actually yesterday, our first patent was published. So now we know we are doing something that is truly innovative and novel. We have that pat on the back from the USPTO. Oh, my goodness, right in. This is just incredible. And, you know, when I read your story and when I looked into you, I was so excited to understand more about exactly how this business came about and how this idea came about during the pandemic. Before we dive deeper into the journey in the business, I'd love to start with a question that I've often found to be very insightful and revealing, and that is, where did you grow up and how has this impacted the choices you've made in your life and in your career so far? That's a really important question and it really comes to the core of us as people, right? Like, What did that socialization look like? I actually grew up in a lot of different places. I was born in Iran. We moved to Colorado. I was raised predominantly in San Diego, moved to Northern California, came down to Southern California, moved back to Northern California. (laughs) Lesson here is I will probably never leave California. Um, (laughs) And I've lived for brief periods of time all around the world, you know, two months here, two months there. And What was really important for me is that kind of citizen of the world concept. 
I am a dual citizen between Iran and the U.S., uh, and I hold them both near and dear to my heart and, you know, speak multiple languages, also fluent in Spanish, a different, another culture that I have loved exploring and working uh, and living in Latin America for short periods of time. And being an immigrant in the United States, what you will come to find that a lot of immigrant households holds the value of gratitude really near and dear to their heart. And they share that with their kids and their kids grow up with that, like waking up every day and being grateful about where you are, the opportunities that you have as well as my parents instilling, you know, a strong sense of where you come from and how do you still honor, you know, that kind of culture and language that, you know, they grew up with and they were raised with. And I had a brief, you know, introduction to um, when I was little. And it's, really beautiful to be able to be a part of so many different lived experiences. And when you are, you know, a dual citizen or, you know, have found home in multiple different places, you also care about more things. You know, it's not just the news of one nation that's important. You start to become in tune and follow the news of multiple nations. When you travel you ask, you know, different kinds of questions because you've had exposure to asking different questions growing up about multiple different things. So that's just kind of how I was raised. So cool, Radin. I think, you know, a question I've got for you is how do you think that shaped you, you know, having that dual citizenship when you were very little in Iran and then, you know, later on in the US? Was there ever a moment where you felt almost a bit lost in terms of your identity or what that meant to you or how you saw yourself? And I guess, you know, for our peers out there listening who may be struggling with that dual citizenship piece and their identity and who really am I, you know, what advice would you give to us around, around navigating through that? Sure. I mean, just growing up in a public school system, you always are questioning. Sometimes you feel lost and with that added layer of bringing the food that looks different or, you know, when your mom picks you up, you're speaking a different language and everyone is always questioning. Um, I think what's been really important that my parents have shared with me is, is twofold. One, bringing people in to your world, you know, never living in a silo. And that, you know, translates to business for me and, and the values that I hold too is always breaking down silos celebrating, right? Finding opportunities where there are questions or there were some mean moments where people in their confusion or not understanding were mean and not having the rug pulled from under you and making sure that people aren't projecting and that their insecurities are met by celebration. You know, try the food, try this, try that, come to my home. And my parents, regardless of their socioeconomic status, which wasn't so great in the beginning, and it, you know, we finally built to, 
a comfortable middle class status, they would always welcome in folks into our home for a meal to break bread, to, you know, um, empower new immigrants to the country by building networks or to bring in friends from their places of business or, you know, their interactions in the outside worlds to come in and understand and enjoy themselves within our home. What was the greatest thing that your parents taught you? Well, it just kind of building on that thought is the story of community and the value of community. And they themselves, you know, had degrees that were completely different in the businesses that they were able to grow here in the U.S. So my dad was an engineer and my mom had studied accounting and was leading a uh, division for a pretty significant company. And then when they came to the U.S., they had to pivot. And so my dad started multiple different small businesses and my mom somehow got into the beauty industry because it didn't require, you know, language and going back to school. So it was convenient for them to pivot into these roles so that they can put food on the table. But what really sticks with me, Michelle, is that when I would go into my mom's salon, all of her uh, clients knew my name, knew my story, you know, knew how I was doing. And I knew about them because my mom fostered that just closeness and that sense of, you know, we're part of each other's lives beyond just a haircut. Or when I would go to City Hall with my dad, uh, at that time, he had a used car dealership. Everyone knew his name. Everyone would smile and light up from behind their desk. And he would receive award after award for, you know, small business entrepreneur of the year, this or that, because he would give back to the community. He would really just take care of that ecosystem that he was a part of. So I think to now be able to directly answer your question, and I'm sorry I didn't get to it a little earlier, is centering people and making sure that whatever environment you're a part of, big or small, that you are giving back as much as you, you know, take or even more, and also making sure that there is joy in that ecosystem and that you're fostering that wherever you are. Your parents seem like such incredible people and it's, you know, no doubt that they instilled these values, invaluable values in you. And I think what's so interesting is the fact that they were both entrepreneurs at the end of the day after they had their careers in Iran and then moved over, you know, it's so fascinating. I'm also the daughter of entrepreneurs and similar, similar thing where it's, you know, immigrant mindset, but you know, they ended up running the same business for 30 years now. And it's the reason I'm very aware that I've been even able to have any opportunity to be honest and have the kind of opportunities I've been so privileged to have. And so your story personally resonates with me so much because I think also that then, you know, the opportunity to travel, to see the world, to see how other people live and just 
realizing and recognizing how privileged we are in the West and kind of what we can do. And so I find it fascinating that for you, it was that travel and, you know, going out there, despite what your parents said, you know, perhaps don't go down this path, you know, it's tough. And it, Absolutely. Is there's no doubt about that. But I guess, was there a pivotal moment for you where throughout your travels or maybe it was sitting in, you know, a corporate job that you just kind of thought, oh, now is the time and I, I need to go off and kind of at least try and do something on my own. So for your listeners who can't see me, I I was rigorously moving my head up and down when you were speaking. And (laughs) I know your parents are probably incredibly proud of you. And yours. And Thank you. So the moment really came in 2020. My co-founder, Ryan, and he is a brainiac. We had met at graduate school, we were part of separate teams, but we were both part of a pitch competition. And we are both of our teams had won. And in a kind of after, you know, get together at another peers home, talk about peer to peer, we were chatting and we realized that we're passionate about a lot of the same things. And we realized that we have a lot of the same values. So I started advising his company for a a bit of a time and that company folded. And when it did, I reached back out to Ryan and I said, if this is a good time, I'd like to think and tinker with you because I really enjoy our conversations. We have a lot of fun when we explore ideas together. And we actually started working on a separate idea. And then the pandemic hit. And we realized that the customers that we would be reaching out to, it was going to be hard to establish trust with folks that didn't know us to deliver these safe and healthy options. So then we started looking at the delivery mode of the food. So going from, you know, one point to even thinking a little bit bigger about the system that encompasses, you know, the original idea and the problem, which really worked out for us. Oh, yes, it did. For our peers out there listening who have this, you know, energy with all this inkling within them that they want to go off and maybe do something they really care about and make an impact. And perhaps they feel a little bit stuck where they're at, you know, whether it's in a job or still studying or wherever it may be, you know, what advice would you give to us around brainstorming to find the right idea for us? I think it's fascinating that you were brainstorming with your co-founder going, we want to start a business. We want to do something here. We want to make an impact. And I think sometimes it's not always, people don't often start that way. So I think for our peers out there listening who really want to start something, they just don't know what it's going to be. You know, what advice would you have for us? Sure. I think everyone is just bursting with incredible ideas. And I just think, unfortunately, sometimes we're not in the places to get validation for them. And I think a little bit of courage comes from a little bit of validation. And it really just takes one person 
to give you that aha, like that is incredible. And I think that for folks who are really passionate about going out on their own, know that your perspective is interesting and know that your lived experiences are important. And it just takes a little bit of planning and a little bit of reflection on finding the exact point of intersection where your incredible talents that you've been honing over the years meet your values and meet your interests. And when you kind of flush that out a little bit, you'll land on something incredible. And then to really build with your community, right? So when you have that idea, start to test it out, start to talk to people that would be affected by it, who would be users of this. One of the things in the startup world that you know gets hammered on a lot and maybe not enough is customer discovery. Because like us, that exact idea that you kind of announced to the world at first will not look the same over the course of a couple of months or a year. So as long as you know you find that perfect intersection for you that you can passionately move forward with, plus you always have the community you want to build for in mind and that dialogue open and that channel of communication open, I think there should be nothing else stopping you from just giving it a try and giving it a go. When you gave it a go, were you working full time or were you ready to dive in? And for our peers out there listening who are ready to give it a go, but they are working full time and they've got other obligations, you know, what's your advice around building a company or starting a side hustle and kind of not letting it completely take over your life? Unfortunately, the answer is that it will take over your life, (laughs) but it is, you know, something that everyone's in a different place in their lives. And there is this dominant narrative of how you should start a startup. And not all of us are in the place of privilege to be able to do that. So in 2020, I wasn't in that place where I could, you know, quit everything or, you know, there's this narrative of sleep on a couch, you know, bug your friend and (laughs) squat at their home (laughs) for a year until they kick you out and you have an idea. (laughs) And it's just not the reality for anyone, but I will say The privilege that I did have, and this is enormous and very unique, is that the consulting firm that I worked for, and I slowly have eased out of my hours from working with them, were fully supportive, celebrated me as a founder, and even were able to, you know, support the idea with some non-dilutive funding to give me a springboard. And so it really has to do with your relationships. And if you have to work nine to five and then have a five to whatever job, that's okay. Take it slower. There is, you know, no force in this world 
that is pressuring you to achieve something by a certain milestone. Believe me, if your idea is incredible and you have that passion around it, you will slowly and surely build it to a point where you can then quit everything and pivot towards, you know, focusing your time on your idea to to fully bring it into fruition. Such valuable advice. I think sometimes though, as we start, we can get impatient and it takes a long time for anything to even get off the ground, you know, especially if you're only doing it at nights or whatnot. Radin, we could talk for days and days. It's so interesting. I'm loving this chat, but I am mindful of your time. And so I've got a couple of key final questions for you. And the first one is, what has been your greatest failure and win to date? I'll start with the win because that's always, you know, the easiest to hark to. And the win, I would say, is building the team and building our larger team of freelancers and service providers. What we did early and in the beginning, and when we talk about speed, right, is slowly putting together the right people so that we can move faster later. And that came with like, for example, we're folks who need patents and trademarks and things for our business. So we interviewed around 20 law firms from small to large. And we ended up with these folks in DC, Novotech LLP. And they were the right folks for us because not only did we choose them, but they chose us too. And the support that they were able to give us throughout this, you know, hairy, scary patent world was phenomenal. Or, you know, folks who we hired from Upwork, we still took that same level of intention to building out the team, as well as, you know, growing out our sales team and growing out other components of our our company and our divisions we're very intentional and now we're able to move faster because we know everybody's values aligned. We know everybody's excited about this particular project. And we know that everybody is a really good direct communicator and we can meet, you know, each other and our needs in a really, you know, fast paced way. And there's no questions around or what ifs around anything. And your greatest failure I think in terms of failure, there's so many little ones to pinpoint, right? I could have done this. I could have been less stubborn about that to move forward on something. And I don't want to be a cop out and say there hasn't been a greatest failure. I just think there has been little, you know, just small failures that we learn from and if you know we've disappointed someone we apologize quickly we ask for a conversation you grab perspective and you just you know continue to do better and make sure that you check in to make sure that you are doing better and that you're not you know making any mistakes that you might have erred on uh previously maybe not a failure, but something 
I wish I had, you know, a, uh, tackled a little bit earlier is following my intuition. And I think the biggest lesson has been, you know, there is something that you know, right? And there are a certain set of competencies that you have and make sure that you hold on to that because early on after we had made our discovery, we reached out to a university with regards to collaboration. I'm a huge believer in collaboration. I'm like, don't do something hard all on your own and bang your head against the wall. And there was an incredible opportunity to be, you know, co-collaborators on a grant. And when we had reached out to this university, they had said, if you guys were doing something interesting, we would have already discovered it because we have a full-fledged team of PhDs working on aerodynamic efficiencies. And that was a little bit disheartening, as you can imagine. And you let that seep in a little bit and you're like, well, gosh, you're right. You know, these folks come from these Ivy League schools and they've been thinking and tinkering for so many years. Maybe we don't have it right. And the more, you know, we brought a third party validator from a Ivy League school to, to validate everything. And we started to, you know, build and gain confidence as we talked to our customers. So when I say, please build with community, please build with your community, with your community base, they shared insights about our technology and even just the little minute details of installation of what would be better for them, more convenient, more road durable, all of that. And we, I think we really truly landed on a product that is novel and cutting edge. And if we had just listened to, you know, that one university and not followed our intuition, then we wouldn't be here uh, today. So glad that you are here. Thank you. <laughs> Radin, over the last two years in business, you've really gone from strength to strength. You've received so much recognition for your work already, despite all of the hard work, the hustle that's required in starting a business. Most recently, you've been featured on the Forbes 30 Under 30 list. What are three key pieces of advice that you would give our peers out there listening that you wish you got when you were just starting out? Fantastic question. And I hope folks do listen to this because I know I would be skeptical because it's easy to hear something than to hold it to heart. One would be be intentional about who you surround yourself with as well as who you build your vision with. And there are just so many wonderful people out there, but if there are, you know, kind of misalignments in values then it's going to be difficult to come together to realize something. Not misalignment in experiences of ways to which the world, you want as much diversity as possible, but you want alignment and values. The second piece of advice would be to build with community, especially 
you know, as technologists, bringing about such incredible new things into the world. I want all of us to be sure that we're not leaving anyone behind and that we're creating ease and accessibility while we're creating these future forward, you know, impressive technological devices and solutions and softwares. And then the last piece of it is that ask a lot of questions, lead with curiosity, and make sure that you have an internal filter that gauges this with your intuition as well. Not all advice is good advice, but a lot of perspective and a lot of feedback is good to hold and then dismiss the ones that don't align with that intuitive force and intelligence. Such valuable advice. Look, Redin, before I ask you the final question, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge you for the incredible work you've done and that you're doing, you know, for showing us, in particular us, you know, young, ambitious millennials that, and women, that if we have this vision, this goal and this dream to do something more, to make an impact, although it may be very tough, it is possible and we can get there. And for that, we really appreciate you. Thank you, Michelle. And it really takes all of us to come together and give each other opportunities. Like you gave me this opportunity today. And I will forever be grateful of everyone that's been part of my journey and has given me space and platform and voice. And I hope that, you know, sometime in the future, I can be useful to you (laughs) and do the same. We'll definitely give you some shout outs on social media, but the work that you're doing and kind of pulling the curtain back and humanizing startups and tech and changing the narrative is remarkably important. And this space is so much better for it and for you and your light and your force. So thank you. Oh my goodness. Thank you. So, so kind. Oh my goodness. Well, look, the final question is how we finish every episode of the Peers to Peers podcast. And that is, what is the value of pursuing what you're most passionate about? Wow. Such a powerful question. I think for everyone, it's different. And for us at Ford Transit, and you can ask Ryan this sometime in the future when you encounter him, is internally it's joy. We get to, you know, really play and think of new ideas. And we have a really good time doing that, Ryan and I and our the rest of our engineering team and sales and marketing teams. And then externally is the impact that we can have for communities. And the greater impact we want to have is better breathable air and also to empower our fleet owners and operators at the pump and, you know, at their, for their pocketbooks. Because a lot of these folks, you know, sure, we're going to be reaching out to corporate partners. But a lot of our clients today are small business owners, right? And so every dollar counts for them. And I think that kind of greater vision of community, breathable air, as well as our community of fleet owners and operators is what gives us 
you know, that internal joy as well, knowing the impact that we can have. So it's inside and outside uh, for us, two-sided coin, if you will. I love it. Oh, we're dead. It's been so, so awesome to have you on the show. Thank you so much. It's been so good to chat. Where can we learn more about you and for transit? Thank you, Michelle. So we're mostly a handshake and a phone call business, but we do have some presence on social media, Instagram, Twitter, everything is at F-O-R-E transit, as well as LinkedIn. We would appreciate anyone wanting to build community to like and follow us there, as well as anyone can connect with me on LinkedIn. And I look forward to, you know, building community with the Pierce Project. Love that. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much again. It's been so awesome. And for everyone else listening, we will end with that. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. Remember, Peers, we're here to help you turn your passion into a business. And so is Shopify. And so if you're looking to start your biz, head to shopify.com.au for your 14-day free trial. Peers, that's a wrap. Thank you for tuning in to the latest episode of the Peers to Peers podcast, powered by Shopify. We hope you've enjoyed your introduction to our latest guest peer and that you find them as gung-ho as we do. For more, make sure to subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a review. We produce with passion, and it doesn't stop here. To see what else we're up to, visit thepeersproject.com or follow us on Instagram at thepeersproject. We'll have fresh, real talk for you next week, peers. Until then, if you need inspiration, look amongst your peers. Peers.